welcome back to Fear. I'm your host, Paul Rondo, and today I have another Fear the Pasta for you because I cannot get enough of these damn Reddit stories and these creepypastas that are out there on the internet. There are so many good new ones that are coming out every single day that, I mean, it. I'm having a hard time just picking stories because there's just so many good ones to cherry pick from. But today I have a really interesting one. It kind of feels like a, kind of like an X-Files deal, but it's kind of neat because it's a person who's experiencing something awful for the first time and somebody who's interviewing somebody for the first time so it's kind of a like new for both of them and it feels i don't know it feels pretty damn interesting so without further ado i give you snippety snap if you hear a nursery rhyme called snippety snap you need to read this as a matter of life and death by Bourne Beach. It's just the two of us here, myself and Ryan Halflow, a 17-year-old kid from Elk Torch High. He's typical as far as teenagers go, impulsive, disinterested, distracted. We're sitting in his parents' garage in a couple of fold-up camping chairs with cheap cups of coffee in our laps. I'm here because I believe he witnessed an event, an encounter of overwhelming significance one which I believe could explain a series of grisly murders. Murders that have gone unsolved and plagued the sleepy town for close to ten years. This is our interview. It's just a stupid nursery rhyme, Ryan says, bookending his words with smirk. Something to keep the kids inside after dark. Militant parental shit, you know? I adjust my tie and clear my throat. It's my first interview and I don't want to come across as an amateur. I'm well aware of its origins. We're here to discuss the event. He stares at me for a few seconds smile playing on the corners of his lips. Eventually he huffs and shakes his head. You serious, man? I was seeing shit. There isn't a mystery to solve here. I was just stoned as fuck. Marijuana doesn't typically elicit hallucinations. His face falters. The cool demeanor. The dismissive aloofness. It fades and for a moment I see a twinge of terror. And that's when I know I have him. I know that he doesn't believe his own excuse. Yeah, well, I was drunk too, he argues. I wasn't exactly in my right mind. I lean back in my chair and fold my arms, praising him like my orientation taught me to do. If you want to make people talk, I recall my instructor lecturing, then be silent. So I am. I'm as quiet as death. Moments pass and finally he breaks the silence. What is it you do again, he asks, changing the subject. Good. I have him. I work at a compound known as the facility. My job is to investigate events that my superiors deem noteworthy. I do my best to keep my voice level, professional, but the job is so new that I can hardly contain my excitement. Your event has been selected. Facility? He says. No offense, but that sounds ridiculous. How do I know you're not some asshole playing me for a fool? I reach into my jacket to retrieve my badge. I can show you my ID again. He waves a hand. Already seen it. How come I've never heard of the facility in the news? I pocket the badge. It's a recent enterprise. We believe that entering the public eye would lead to increased tension and potential panic. Sounds like X-Files shit, he narrows his eyes at me. What makes my event noteworthy? You made a post on your social media three days ago. It showcased a figure that I believe I recognize. He leans back, picks up his styrofoam cup coffee, and takes a sip. I notice one of his fingers wrapped in gauze. Yeah? The shadows sort of look like a demon or something. There's a pause. A silence stretches between us. You in league with demons? He laughs. Try to play it cool, but the question is genuine. No, I say. Demons aren't within my purview. I study urban legends. 
A smile plays on his lips as if he's waiting for me to laugh at a joke I made, but I don't. It wasn't a joke. I reach my clipboard and click my pen. All right, Ryan, I'd like you to start from the beginning. The night you took the photo on Instagram, what events led to that moment? He sighs and runs a hand through his tangle of hair. It's a bit of a long story. Don't worry, I assure him. I have plenty of time. He doesn't speak. Instead, his eyes dart around the garage. They move from the window in the back to the door along the wall leading into the house, and then the windows in the garage door proper. He's looking for faces. Cameras, maybe. He thinks this might be an elaborate prank. Perhaps one of his older brothers orchestrated this to make him look like a fool. It's a response that my orientation warned me about and prepared me for. I've seen unexplained things too, Ryan. He glanced up, and playful aloofness is gone from his eyes. It's been replaced with desperation. He's hoping against hope that it isn't a joke. Because he needs to talk about what he saw. Because he knows he's experienced something unexplainable. He's probably terrified that he's gone insane. You have, he says. Several times. There's nothing to be ashamed of. I place my pen down on the clipboard, taking a breath and letting the veneer of professionalism fall away. According to my orientation, people are more likely to open up if you do first. The truth is, Ryan, there's plenty in this world we don't have answers for, but only a handful of us are even visited by such phenomena. Some call it paranormal. I call it misunderstood. I give him a smile, and it's genuine. Please, tell me about the photo. Tell me about the events that led up to this. He studies me for a few moments, as if to determine whether I'm lying to get him to talk, to make a fool of himself. How does this work? He says at length. He lowers his coffee cup to his lap. Do you... Do I just, like, start talking or whatever, or should I go slow so you can write it down? Go as fast as you like. I click the pen in my hand and beam him a smile. I'm a quick writer. All right, he mutters. It begins. It was three days ago, Ryan says. Shannon Gilmore was having a house party. A kegger. Her dad took off on a business trip, and he's fucking loaded, so they have plenty of room in the house. I mean, the thing's, like, three stories tall. How many people were there? He rubs his shoulder, and I spot the gauzed finger again. It's a good sign. I don't know, maybe 50, he says? 60? I wasn't really counting. I made a note in my clipboard that reads, Witnesses? Go on. So we're all drinking, fucking around, and getting stoned. Some people are playing beer pong upstairs, and I'm down in the living room, hanging out with some chick from my English class, Becca. We're getting kinda, you know, hot and heavy or whatever, and she starts messing with me. Messing with you? Just talking shit about spirits and ghosts. He gives a small laugh and shakes his head. He says she's attuned to them or something. It's ridiculous. I check the box labeled skeptic on my clipboard. So, anyway, I start teasing her for being a bit loony. Just playfully, you know. Nothing harsh. He swallows, and I catch sight of his hands, still holding onto his cup in his lap. They're trembling, and this gauze index finger is out of place. It's folded inward, out of sight against the cup. She bets me that she could show me a ghost. A ghost, I say, tapping my pen against the clipboard. Snippity-snap, according to legend, is no ghost. You're positive that's the terminology she used? He scratches his head, his eyes glassy, like he's remembering a distant memory. Eventually, he nods. Yeah, she called it a ghost. I check another box on the clipboard, disappointed, divergent. What happened next? She says this old legend about something called Snippity Snap. Which I mean, duh, the entire town knows the stupid nursery rhyme. He takes a breath, it's deep, and when he speaks again, his voice cracks. She tells me that it's real. I circle the box labeled Influenced. It's not uncommon for people who believe they've encountered an urban legend to actually just have been heavily influenced by external sources. If someone tells you something is real with enough vindication, humans have a tendency to believe it. If only a little. 
Had she encountered Snippety Snap before? He shakes his head. I don't know. Maybe she was fucking weird. I decide to withhold judgment. In this job, weird is relative. What did she do next? He shifts in the chair. Some kind of ritual. She took us both into the basement. At first, I was into it. Because I thought it was taking us somewhere private to, well, you know. But once we started going down the steps, I got a really uneasy feeling. Uneasy feeling? Like she wasn't really right in the head. She closed the door behind us and walked down the creaky steps in the dark. I tried turning the lights and she snapped at me. Don't! I smiled in spite of myself. Darkness is a key component of the snippety snap summoning ritual. So far, so good. You didn't use your phone for light? No, I mean, I tried to, but she wouldn't let me even do that. The Becca girl appears familiar with this ritual. The greater the darkness, the higher the likelihood of a successful summoning. At this point, how far were you from the rest of the party? Ballpark. He scratches his cheek. Ah, floor at least. Most people are on the top level in Shannon's games room. It's got a nice big window with a sick view of the city. The music was pretty loud and we couldn't hear it, so... That's a fine description. I circle the word isolated on the clipboard. Continue. So we start walking down these steps and Becca's gripping my wrist real hard, like painfully. I try and shrug her off, but she's very aggressive. Starts calling me a pussy. What, scared all of a sudden? She says. I tell her I'm not, but I came here to party and I fuck around in a basement. Then she gets sweet again. She says we can both fuck around all we want once she proves to me that the thing is real. And I'm drunk enough that I agree. I mean, there's an implication there, right? You said she had you participate in some kind of ritual. Can you describe that for me, please? Truthfully, I know the ritual full well. I've even done it myself on several occasions. Though all of them proved unsuccessful. It requires an incantation, a pair of scissors, and a human finger. The ritual, he says. His face pales, and he pulls his right hand back into his sleeve. Sure, uh, she, um... She takes us to a sink in the basement, and then she pulls a pair of scissors from her purse. He pauses, shaking his head with a look of disbelief. I mean, who carries that in her purse? That should have been a real red flag there. It's certainly unusual, I say. If she was carrying the scissors with her, then it implies a premeditated intent to carry out the ritual. She went to the party looking for a victim. What did she do with the scissors? Ryan takes a deep breath. His hand gripped the inside of his sweater sleeve. She cut my finger. Snip. He says the word quietly. Distantly. As she did it, she said a sort of chant. A chant? The first line of that old nursery rhyme, snippity snap, you'll come back. May I f see your finger, I ask? He stares at me, and for a moment I think he, he might refuse. He then slides his hand out of his sleeve, and there it is, his index finger. It's covered in gauze, and he slowly unravels it. When he does, I see stitching across maybe 10 or 15 different cuts. The entire thing has been slashed by the scissors. His eyes only look at it for a moment, before quickly wrapping it up again. She was nuts. I record the details of my clipboard. Multiple lacerations. Significant loss of blood. Mental unease. If you thought she was nuts, why would you let her do that? He opens his mouth as if to speak, but exhales instead. He shakes his head. Words hang on the edge of his mouth. I can see them there, trying to break free. But for one reason or another, he doesn't say them. When she cut you, I press. Did something happen? What do you mean, he says. But his voice betrays him, sharp, high-pitched. There's nervousness in the tone. I mean that you're fairly large for your age and appear to be in decent shape. If you wanted to break free of this girl in her ritual, it shouldn't have been much of an issue. I gestured him with my hand. And yet you sit before me with so many cuts in your finger that it's hard to tell where one stitching ends and another begins. Such a phenomenon leads me to believe that something happened. Something kept you there and in pain. 
His eyes take on an accusatory glare. No offense, but are you fucking with me? I raise an eyebrow. I mean, this shit about the facility, and investigating urban legends, and recognizing the shadow in my picture, is all that legit? I reach into my jacket pocket and pull out my badge again. I toss it to him and it lands on his lap. He reaches forward with a shaking hand. My details are on the badge. My photo, my job title, and my employee number. It's legit. He swallows, looks from the badge to my face, and back to the badge. He's comparing, contrasting, he's making sure I am who I am. It's a good sign. It means he's ready to talk, but he needs assurance beforehand. He needs to know he isn't being played for a fool. What's your employee number, he asks. A9342R32. It's the first thing we're quizzed on before being hired. It's critical we remember it. He hands the rep badge back, takes a long sip of his coffee, and closes his eyes. He appears stressed, exhausted. It's only now that I notice the heavy bags beneath his eyes, and I idly wonder if he's gotten any sleep in the past few nights. Just to warn you, he says, this next part is going to sound insane. If it didn't, I wouldn't be here. He gives a small, uncomfortable laugh. His bravado is beginning to fall away, and I'm starting to see the real Ryan Halflow beneath. A teenage boy, scared and scarred. She did it three times, he says. She kept me with the scissors, and then she said the line, Snippity snap, you'll come back. When nothing happened, I pulled my hand away and told her I was finished. She told me I couldn't be. Not yet. She said I'd only take two more cuts, and then snippity snap would appear. She promised, and she pulled me down into a kiss, and I sort of forgot about the pain, and, and how fucked it all was. I wrote his account down as he speaks. It's important that I get every detail. The kiss isn't part of the ritual, but it's part of the coercion. Whoever this Becker girl is, she's familiar enough with the legend to know exactly what it requires to be summoned. Perhaps she's been visited by it too. She cuts me again, Ryan says, and his expression falls and his lips quiver. Blood isn't dripping off of me anymore. It's flowing, like a faucet set to low. It's just the two of us in the basement, and I know for the fact because there weren't any lights on when we got down there. And there's no bedrooms. It's just an open cellar. Nobody just hangs out in the fucking dark. He shakes his head, and again, his hand disappears in his sleeve, gripping at the inside anxiously. But I got this sense we weren't alone, like something's watching us. He's choking the words out now, his body trembling against the torrent of emotions he's likely feeling. Snippity snap, you'll come back, she says again with the scissors, except now her voice is different. Different how? It's lost sense of flirtiness. There's no teasing anymore. It's raw. It's serious. And when she cuts me, it's deeper than before, like almost to the bone. He takes a shuddering breath, and his hand curls into his sleeve. So I pull away. I'm starting to think with a clear head again, and I realize nothing's worth this kind of torture. I tell her she's fucking nuts and turn to leave, but she grabs my hand and cuts the finger again. Snippity snap, you'll come back. He takes a moment, his teeth gnaw on the bottom of his lip. His eyes are detached, lost in the memory. I'm not proud of it, but I flung my arm back, hit her in the face, and she fell down. I didn't care, though. I mean, the bitch was crazy, right? Cutting me after I told her I was finished? What the fuck was that about? An understandable reaction place my pencil down and center my clipboard on my lap. Before you continue, Ryan, I want to impress upon you the importance of absolute honesty. I need to know the process of events exactly as they played out. It could save lives. Uh, sure, he says. Of course. What happened after you knocked her down? She screamed. Screamed? Yeah, screamed that I was a pussy and a coward. She screamed I was such a scared little bitch that she helped snippy snap and cut my head off. I write it all down. The aggressiveness which Becca wished to instigate the ritual was alarming, to say the least, but not unheard of. Such entities can be profound effects on those who follow them. That still doesn't explain the rest of the cuts. Ryan swallows, pushing the words back. She grabbed my wrist again, but this time I was ready. I turned around I was going to... I was going to fucking clock her, man. I wasn't putting up with this anymore. And then... His voice dies on his lips. And then what? And then I saw her. He shakes his head. I saw it. 
my pen paused on the clipboard, my eagerness getting the best of me. You saw Snippity Snap? Ryan isn't a small individual, but in that moment he looks like a terrified boy. He just nods. It was big, twisted thing, like the thing that had crawled straight out of hell. It had these giant scissors for arms, starting at the elbows, and its face was wrinkled flesh, with no eyes and just dark, sunken sockets. He swallows. Its mouth was sewn shut with its own skin, and in between the threads of flesh were... Eyes, I mutter, a smile forming on my lips. Yeah, a hundred of them, milky white and just swimming around. It was the sound of the scissors, though. Those two gigantic blades opening and closing. Snip, snap, snip, snap. He takes a sip of coffee, then puts the cup down with a shiver. He brings a hand around the back of his neck, rubbing it. It was the scariest thing I've ever seen. I knew I had to get out of there and told somebody. They'd call me insane, so I did the stupid thing everybody hates about my generation. Took a photo. It was impulsive and stupid, but I needed to know I wasn't imagining it, that it was real. So I snapped the picture and made a run for it. But Becca grabbed me by the ankle. I hit the ground hard. His hand stopped rubbing his neck, and his eyes glistened newborn tears. The next thing I know, the scissors sounds stopped. No snipping, no snapping, just silence. And then Becca starts laughing. Laughing, I frown, hoping I didn't come all this way for a practical joke. Yeah, she's laughing, howling. I don't get it. But when I kick my leg free, I feel it. The scissor blades are against my neck. That fucking creature is standing over me, getting ready to cut my head clean off. This is it. I lean forward to have a real case so quickly and almost unheard of within the facility. It takes most of our new hires months to come across something real. Some agents have worked there nearly a year without success. Yet here I am, having achieved within my first week. Did you give it an offering? I ask, excitement lacing in my words. He gives me an uncomfortable look. The two of us gaze at each other, and I realize I'm losing my cool. I'm letting pieces of me leak through this shouldn't. I straighten up, flatten my expression, and adopt the more serious tone. By offering, I mean, did you allow yourself to be cut again? He nods slowly. Yeah. Becca grabbed my finger and started cutting with the scissors. Snippity snap, snippity snap. I couldn't move. I couldn't do anything. I just stayed there, on my hands and knees, with my, this fucking monster standing above me, and Becca mutilating my finger. He chokes back a sob. I remember feeling lightheaded from the blood loss, and right when my fingers started feeling numb to the pain, Becca stops. I don't know if she did it because she had enough, or because I was crying, or, or because I pissed myself. I see, I don't know, take the last part of my clipboard. Then it was over. I guess, he exhales, as though letting go of some great weight that's been holding him down once. Once she stopped cutting, I realized the creature was gone, and before she could do anything else fucked up, I booked it upstairs and my dad drove me home. You didn't report it to the authorities? Report what? That some girl half my size held me down with a monster in my basement and cut my finger? He snorts, wiping tears from his eyes. No, I didn't report shit to the authorities. I just wanted to forget about it, pretend it never happened. Why did you post that photo then? I look at my notes, particularly with the hashtag snippity snap. He shrugs, his eyes looking out the window. I don't know. I guess I hope that maybe somebody would tell me I wasn't insane, that maybe they'd seen it too. I sigh, reaching across and placing a hand on Ryan's arm. I give it a squeeze. You're not insane. You did the right thing taking that photograph. You did the right thing talking to me about the event. Thank you. Yeah? He says, sniffing. No problem. Is that, uh, everything then? Are we done? In a moment. I'd like to take another look at that photo if you don't mind. The uncompressed version on your phone. He nods. Yeah, sure. One second. He pulls out his phone and navigates to the photograph, then passes the device to me. I study the image. It's similar to what I viewed on the social media, but given the low lighting and shakiness of the photograph, the compression algorithm wreaked havoc on it. The original version is much cleaner, 
for instance, whereas his Instagram only showed a shadow with a faint outline. This one provides additional details. The shadow is still there, but it's clearer. On the creature's scissor arms, I see the faint sheen of light against metal. There is a reflection of the steel. A face, though it doesn't look like Ryan's, probably a consequence of the dim lighting. I move my eyes over the photo, analyzing the creature and note that within its sewed mouth are a hundred small white dots, dots which I know to be eyes. It's humanoid, mostly distinct in important ways. Its form is taller, for one. It's bow-legged and slouched with a sort of zigzag to its posture, like a person suffering from severe scoliosis. I made a note in my clipboard regarding its appearance, and then resumed my study of the photo. In the bottom corner of the picture, I see a human face. A girl. It's Becca, no doubt, on the ground after Ryan had knocked her down, looking wild-eyed with a gleeful smile across her face. Thank you, I say, passing the phone back to him. I make a final notation on my clipboard labeled Survivor. If it's alright with you, Ryan, I'd like to know Becca's last name. Her last name? Yes. I click my pen and place it in my chest pocket. I think her and I need to have a little discussion. See what I mean? That thing had such like an X-Files feel to it, and the best part is there are more parts to the story, so we'll finally get to hear what Becca had to say about it because he interviews her next. So hopefully we can check that out in a future episode. The next episode, I would like to be another one of the Lost Generation episodes. I know it's been a while. It's been a while since I uploaded one of these, and I'm aware of that. It's just been hard to sit down and write it out. That's why these have been pretty simple. I just come home from work after taking care of the kids, and uh, I'm able to just relax, sit back, read some cool stories, and then reach out to these amazing authors and ask for their permission to uh, let me read them on this podcast. Also, if you guys want to send in your original stories and have them showcased on the show, send them over to podcastfear at gmail.com. That's podcastfear at gmail.com. Whenever I start getting these in, I will start showcasing these. These will be the new Fear the Pasta episodes that I'll do, and uh, I'll make sure I shout you out whenever you... Well, unless you don't want me to tell you what your name is, but I will definitely uh, let everybody know how great you are. So if you wouldn't mind, go ahead and uh, like, share, subscribe, whatever your platform lets you do i'm not really uh i'm not really well versed on the whole podcasting i know how the whole youtube and uh what is it, twitch scene works but i'm still pretty new to the whole podcast scene so like share send it out to people send it to your grandma whoever it doesn't matter just let people listen to it they might enjoy it who knows so i appreciate you sticking around to the end i cannot wait to uh hopefully just give you guys some more great content in the future and don't forget as always always face your fears Thank you.